0: good morning brandon lewis here with the first real edition of walking with brandon and i hope that we can get out of here without the dog following me down the road this may be a little bit awkward i have got four questions submitted by three different painting contractors and i'm going to attempt to answer these for you i'm going to try to walk in places where we don't get as much noise in the background but some of it can't be helped as you can see all the leaves are turning out here it's just absolutely beautiful in the hills of Appalachia so I'm gonna go for a walk we'll see if we can make it all the way down to the graveyard this is what passes for uh, entertainment and rural living I walk, a I walk down the road to the graveyard actually it's a cemetery for those of you who didn't know a cemetery is out by itself a graveyard is attached to a church hey if you learn nothing else today you pick that up so we got four questions today i'm gonna lead off with the first one here from trent okay flip this thing over i've kept this thing in my wallet for like a week now i'm just gonna do these as i can here we go trent husky of husky paints and design asks paint a picture of what your opinion is of an optimal painting business in terms of systems in place, owner-work-life balance, revenue, profit margins, employee culture, type of projects they go after, number of employees, etc. That's kind of a loaded question. It's a little too big. That's a little too big. So let me give you some rules of thumb, and then I'll go back to these next questions, okay? So the first thing I think is... People don't really give a lot of thought to what they want their painting business to be anyway. Meaning, one day you're working for some dude, you get aggravated, I can do this better, and you kind of just go off and start doing it. And so you've got sales and marketing responsibilities, you've got hiring and management responsibilities, but often people just see those as inconveniences surrounding the technical aspects of painting, meaning this new owner, quote-unquote, really hasn't learned how to be an owner. He's still just a tradesperson who's doing all this other stuff reluctantly and usually not with excellence just to get the work. So that's a problem. Another thing I don't think people really think about is who they're going to serve and where they're going to work. People cast this ridiculously broad net, but usually they've, they've captured very little of their local market share. Okay? So let's get back to these questions specifically. Profit margins. Okay? I'm going to try to take some of these in turn. Maybe I've been off more than I should. I can chew on this first walking with Brandon. Um, profit margins. There are two, two main metrics that I think about. The first one is cash flow to owner, which should be at about 30% if you are not in the field, meaning if you run a million-dollar painting business, you should have $300,000 in owner benefit, meaning you can put your salary, you can put your you can put your profit margins, you can put the $60,000 truck you bought that is really unnecessary for the business that you wrote off, the gym membership for your wife, the $25,000 for the cash you didn't report, whatever, whatever whatever it is you got, right? And you tack all that up as if you were working for somebody else, that would be what you made, right? It would be a uh, what you would consider part of your compensation package if you work for another company. Now, if you're working in the field, here's the good rule of thumb. If you're working in the field, you, as the owner, should be making your hourly bill rate. $60, $65, $70 an hour. That's good money. That is a lot better money than 95% of people that go to school and get out of school. That is good money. Okay. The second thing... That you have to think about it's a big hill here. Get some more cardio in, which we're gonna talk about here at the end. We got some other questions. I should have probably let off with these. I'm not going to. I'm gonna i just leave you with surprises. So if you got somebody else working with you, and if you're charging $60 an hour and you're paying them $30, you should be making $30 an hour with them, which gets you up to $90. And if you got another one, that gets you up as a crew of three. You should be making, as an owner, about $120 an hour with a crew of three. So that's one way to think about it, if you're still in the field. But what you really want to think about is how much you're clearing per painter per hour, which should be roughly 50%. Does that make sense? Revenue. How much money do you want to make? How hard do you want to work? Work Work-life balance? I mean, I consider my life to be pretty well balanced from a work standpoint but i work more than the average person but then i have flexibility right about six o'clock at night 5 30 i'm done i don't care what's happening i'm finished i'm gonna hang out with my family i'm gonna piddle around i typically work a half day on saturday because i enjoy my work i love helping painting contractors i enjoy it i enjoy it it's not a lot of work to me it's just a series of projects that I enjoy piddling with. Not all of them, but most of them. And I take off on Sunday. I take vacations, go camping, go down to the beach, whatever. So that, that's kind of optimal. Systems. You know, uh, I will say this, and then I'll identify some and move on. And if you want to submit questions, submit them to Brandon... At paintersacademy.com that's brandon at paintersacademy.com that's the best place to submit them they're more likely to get answered i put them in a word document and i cross them off as i do them. systems so there's this weird thing that happens in painting where men are like super duper picky about operations It's got to be painted this way. It's got to be done in this order. It's got to look like this. We've got to use this product. We've got to use this applicator. And they get all wound up in the technical aspects of painting. But when it comes to something as simple as like the sales process, how you get someone to give you their money, if they don't sign that contract, nothing happens. People are like indifferent about it. Well, we can just do it any old way. We can just email in a PDF. Good enough, as long as it's got a price on it, right? Call them a couple of times. Pet the dog. Give them a business card. Thirty percent close rate. I'm okay with that. Same thing with never talking to your past clients, etc. So you've got your sales process. You've got um, customer reactivation, which is something that is done two times a year, which is a, is a long, multi-step, multimedia campaign. You've got client retention, which is done through newsletter marketing, both mailed and emailed every month. It's like the basics. These are the basics. These are not advanced. If you're not doing the basics, you're in trouble. Um, Operations. You've got to have a system for the paperwork that your crews have in the field, what we call the ultimate crew leader packet. You need to have something at the office which controls things, which we consider to be our project management and scheduling course. Then you've got some other things. Agenda-driven crew meetings, save labor bonus program. Uh, you've got operational marketing. How do you do you have a process and a program for getting reviews? Uh, yard signs, radius marketing, all the stuff that really makes it easy. You know, give you a tailwind, an operational marketing tailwind. How do you reach referral sources consistently? Not like I got some people referring me, but no. How do you manufacture hundreds of them? That are consistently sending you leads which is the best type of marketing to be doing this time of year as organic demand dips what are you doing to go after large commercial repaint accounts what are your hiring and recruitment and your technical and non-technical skills assessments processes look like i could go on and on but those are the major ones okay trent i've already spent nine minutes on your question so i'm gonna have to move on it was too broad too broad entirely I won't take any broad questions like this again. Who knows, I may. It just depends. I don't know what I'm going to do with this. Hey guys, if you haven't been to paintersacademy.com yet and signed up for the five keys for growing your painting business in any economy, now would be a good time to do it. I was yelled the economy. is looking a little shaky. Inflation's through the roof. People are worried. There's unrest overseas. There's a presidential election coming up. Rest assured, you really need to focus on doing everything right with the basics because a bad economy doesn't sink a healthy business but it'll sure as hell sink one that's got all the basics messed up let me switch arms here here we go this is high tech this is high tech well recorded uh the videographer is excellent here let's move along okay this is from jtp painting services and (laughs) yes um, what is your purpose in life? What keeps you fired up and going? Well, I guess my purpose in life, if I'm getting it down to the elementals, um, is to worship God and follow His commandments. I believe that's what I was put here on the earth to do. Do I always do the best job at it? No. Uh, do I try? Yes. Uh, one of the other commands that I'm given is to, to tell people, um, uh, that if they feel like there's some kind of emptiness in them, that there is a man who is crucified, dead, buried, and he will trade um, his righteousness for your sins. Now, he may be talking to you already. If you got questions about that, I'm not a theologian. Email him, Brandon at paintersacademy.com. Be happy to talk to you about it. So that's like my my, I guess granular, elemental, subatomic purpose in life has to be has to be. Now, the question here is probably related to business. All right? Not phrased properly, but what keeps me fired up and going? I like to see things change. I like to see things improve. I like to see things grow. Um, I enjoy creating something out of nothing, solving problems for people. Uh, making duplicatable systems that can be used over and over again and finding new people to help with that. It's fun to me. I enjoy that. So I just enjoy my work. Like, work is not a chore to me. I mean, I'm, there's some days I wish I didn't have to do it, but as I do it, I'm happy in my work. And you should be happy in your work. Uh, you know, the Lord has appointed you to this, that, and the other thing. And in my opinion, if you're going to do anything for a living, you're going to put your hands to it, you need to become really good at it. And, and for painting contractors, that means getting serious about the business end of your business and not just the technical aspects and not just ignoring this big pile of crap you know you need to do, especially if you are a man who's the breadwinner in his family. I think you have an obligation to your kids and your wife to do the very best you can by them. And if you're the, the spouse, this is the majority of the setups in the painting industry, uh, who's helping a husband. I think that that you need to try to bring him along um in the business to help the family and if you are a woman running a business you've got the same mandate right you're doing this for a living got to get as good at it as possible no excuses so that's that's just kind of part of my philosophy aside from making a living uh why did you start the appc that's a good question this is the second one we got one more uh, which is not painting related. I'm going to make sure that I take one non-painting related question Every walking with Brandon. Okay, so that's gonna be at the end here. I'll get better at this as we go There's the graveyard by the house We got folks down here from the 1800s So I'll walk down here just to get my legs moving some mornings and uh, To think meditate out in God's creation. Nothing more beautiful. So aside from making a living, why did you start the APPC? i got a confession to make. I'm not the best manager uh, or hirer of people. It's a weakness. Like You should know what your weakness is in any business that you might want to do. Which is why I've recently, and you'll hear a bigger announcement about this later, brought Tara Riley on as our COO. Uh, who was, for several years, almost a decade, the CEO of Fresh Coat Painters, where she grew them from about 70 to 150 units. Grew them from uh, pretty low sales volume. It's like, I think, 150 million. And she grew per unit sales volume by about 515%. Lady sharp as a tack. Sharp as a tack, cares about folks, So I'm bringing her on to help because I've got weaknesses in these areas. Well, that weakness for hiring and managing people, even though I ran 15 to 20 painters in my painting business, it was not something I was overly gifted in, and it was not really something that I enjoyed. But i tell you what happened. Like every single month, sometimes multiple times per month, because it was in the middle of the Great Recession, all these painting businesses and home service businesses were going out of business, struggling, and my business was growing. And we were creating this big reputation and a small audience of people. And I was networking. I founded a thing called the Chattanooga Trades Association and brought the best of the best together. And as I did that, and as I networked in BOMA, I was the Associate of the Year, uh, running my painting business, Chamber of Commerce, um, all kinds of little civic organizations and networking organizations, including the one that I started. And, and I had a, a, a little foray into doing radio. I did a lot of radio advertising as well. What happened is I would get a call about once a month, often more, Brandon, can I come talk to you about my business? Brandon, can I come talk to you about my business? Brandon, can I come talk to you about my business? How are you doing what you're doing? And so I had ran a congressional campaign, the last major big race that I worked on. I did work on some smaller ones later, but that was the last big one. Uh, I just decided it was time to sell the painting business and to go full-time into helping other people grow their businesses because I can't paint I've never painted. Uh, I don't have like a, a, it's a sacrilege, a deep abiding affection for putting liquids in cans on surfaces. I just don't but I love growing a business. (laughs) I love growing a business, and I love helping other people do it, and I'm good at it. I'm uh, much better at helping people grow their businesses than I would be if I owned my own painting business because the passion's not there. That's the truth. And what keeps me going, which is going back to this other question, and then we'll get to the last one, It sounds corny, but I don't care. At the end of every year, I put a capstone on it with the Painting Prophet Summit, which if I can get these daggum videos back from the videographer, hopefully by the end of this week, you'll be able to buy tickets to that event. But um, we have these Academy Awards that we do. And they're not about the bullcrap, you painted something pretty uncomplicated awards. Not to say that that's bullcrap, I understand that we paint stuff. But because I'm not like technically interested, for lack of a better word, what I tend to reward people on is income growth, uh, increasing the percentage of the repeat and referral business, increases in sales closing rates major hiring accomplishments, major improvements in gross profits and operations, dealing with extraordinary circumstances, dealing with health or family, and still getting the job done, which can be very difficult. You know, when you've got personal problems and you neglect your business, well now you've got financial and personal problems. So whenever you can, if you can possibly do it, keep those two things separate. And you've watched your own men do this in the field. Somebody has a fight with their old lady and they can't work properly. And so those are the things that I reward. And I watch folks that have gone from addiction, poverty, hard times, stuck in a, often sometimes stuck in a big, huge, multi million dollar business that's unprofitable and they're miserable. And we can get them to stability profitability growth and then real leadership and management position which is another reason i brought tara on because she is much better at leadership and management than i am okay we need to bring somebody with a little bit more uh depth breadth and understanding of that stuff uh, than i do okay i mean i do better the tools that i provide are franchise grade and they're excellent uh but Tara is really good at teaching people how to get into leadership and management. And so, when I watch those things happen, and I know that I had some part in it, and maybe if they had not found me, none of that stuff would have happened, it gives you a sense of pride and achievement. And I enjoy that. They're probably the same uh, feeling that a physician gets when he cures a patient. That has lived with some kind of chronic illness forever or what they thought was a chronic illness and then all of a sudden they've been fixed which is a good thing all right last question this is where we get serious this is where we dig deep Chris Shank of Estimate Rocket asks which is better cardio or strength I sense a trap here I sense a trap here uh <laughs> So what I'm going to do is what any good person, any good politician would do if they were asked a uh, asked a hard question. I'm going to say both. <laughs> Not really, though. Okay. So I have been in the gym, except for uh, I neglected it in college in a few years when I first got out of college. I'd still go do something once or twice a week half-assed, but it wasn't very good. Uh, I had other things on my mind things that probably weren't the most uh, edifying or appropriate, but I had other things on my mind. I had other things to do. So I've been doing this for a long time, going to the gym. It's like one of my favorite things to do. Uh, When I was young and growing up, I lived in a very chaotic home. Single wide trailer, side of the road around things I should have never been around. There was no peace. School was awkward because I was awkward, as you might be able to tell. Uh, <laughs> school was awkward, everything was awkward, just poor. Just white trash poor. And so I moved in with my dad when I was in seventh grade, and somehow, someway, I started taking hot keto. And The phone stopped, and I have no idea why. I gotta get a new phone. I'm very slow to adopt changing my laptop or my phone. Drives me nuts Uh, (laughs) to have to go through the aggravation. And as life has gone on, the aggravation really isn't that big. It's pretty easy, but nonetheless. Seventh grade, moved in with dad. Started training Hopkido Akuryamaru Jiu Jitsu. And when you're doing team sports, which I did a little wrestling, I tried to play uh, baseball, my mother really never got me out to do anything. Somehow, one time I played baseball, was not any good at it. Uh, but I really excelled at martial arts. I enjoyed it. It's it's about moving your own body around, something I've always loved doing, something I've always been good at, conditioning, strength training, uh, learning how to do something in a very disciplined way. I mean, martial arts is just kind of like this series of systems that you apply given a circumstance or a situation. And... Team sports and everything at school and everything at home was like all crazy, right? Except for when I moved in with my dad. It was pretty calm. He was like an old bachelor. And I loved it because the environment was nice. You could go there. Everybody was nice. They were thoughtful. They were respectful. Uh, They were normal adults that were at least worried about their health. The gym environment, if you go to a a good gym, it's very peaceful, it's very constructive, people are very helpful, and I had just not experienced that in an extracurricular activity as a child. I always preferred to be around adults more than I preferred to be around kids uh, for a long time. I still like folks that are older in general, that are wiser. And so for years, I did the same old chest, back, and legs, whatever they teach you to do, in the 1990s, which is a bunch of crap that doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> and like every every man, you know, you work on your upper body, leave your little chicken legs alone. So a few years ago, I moved into an office building when I started the APPC in November of 2014, and it's right beside my gym, the sports barn, which I've been a member of for almost 20 years. And there was a high-intensity interval training class taught by... Don Bowman, where we had kettlebells, dumbbells, weight exercises, treadmills, rowers, some boxing for a time. It was high intensity. The thing lasts like an hour and a half. Push the sled, a billion movements, never stopped. About a third of the people leave the class, another third of the people leave it and come back. Uh, A lot of folks can't even fit most people if they just come in off the street can't finish it even if they're like coming to the gym pretty regularly it's very intense and then I also stumbled across a book at the same time called the great cardio myth by a guy named Craig Ballantyne and so for the past eight nine years maybe a decade I've been doing high intensity interval training which is weight-bearing exercises Um, centered around functional wellness that really tones and sculpts your body but also you know just generally speaking you got a wide range of mobility I want to be able to pick stuff up I want to be able to run I want to be able to um, move around without getting injured I don't want to fall over and die one day but so many people do (laughs) because they don't have any muscles in their body Uh, so I don't want to go out like that so as a result I found that stuff. And in closing, I'd recommend that book highly, by the way The Great Cardio Myth. It's a very thin, very easy read. It has transformed my health compared to where I used to be. And the thing I like about it the most is you get more benefit in the shortest amount of time. Cardio, you can cardio yourself to death and you won't see hardly any changes. You might shed some weight. And of course, your cardiovascular health is going to be a lot better. You can breathe, you can run your heart and your lung health is going to be better. So what I recommend is if you do high intensity interval training and get your heart rate up and keep it up, you can get a lot of those cardio benefits, but you're also getting the the physical benefits of building muscle. And that muscle burns calories 24-7, whereas cardio stops about the moment you get off the treadmill or whatever you're doing. What I have started doing, and I may take you all on a workout one day. Brandon Lewis' old man workout. I'll show you what I do. I don't know if you'd be impressed or not Uh, (laughs) it takes a long time I'm usually in there about an hour an hour and a half but only go three days a week I do about an hour hour and a half and I'm working it uh, because I want to get out of there and get back to my family Um, but what I have started doing at the end of my workout is doing a half mile sprint but it's really like a half it's really like just running a, a half a lap and I do box jumps and push-ups on the bleachers close to my gym. And then I run around, I do box jumps and push-ups, run around, and I'm sprinting. And I've started adding cardio elements to my workout just to see, you know, if I can get the old heart health a little bit better than where it is. Because there's nothing uh, that's quite like running your keister off for cardio. Hey guys, I'm so sorry my storage was full on my phone. That's what the shenanigans were and i'm not re-recording all that stuff so running your keister off at the end of your high intensity interval training uh workout or doing anything jumping jacks burpees sprints rapid stair climbing rapid anything that just gets your heart rate up i think it's important so when you tell your body hey we're gonna have to lift heavy things we're gonna have to uh, perform core functions and movements, squats, lunges, toe touches, back arches, side to sides, jumps, throws, all the things that you would do in life if you were more active than you probably are now running your painting business, it's good. And then I think it's probably a good idea to be in the, the state of health that if you ever needed to run for a mile, pretty much about 80% out, but like if you had to really run for about a mile, it's probably a good thing to have your cardiovascular health where you can do that. So tacking that on at the end of your workout is probably a good idea. But if you just had to pick one, one thing, I would say high-intensity interval training is likely going to give you the best result for the least amount of time. And that is really what I, I strive for, even at the Painter's Academy. Uh, The way that I recommend that folks approach strategies and which tactics to focus on and the order in which to focus on them and the systems is to get them the biggest wins in the shortest period of time uh, or to solve the largest problems that are holding them back. And then we work our way down. A lot of folks major on the minors. Uh, They'll start you off on things that are interesting to you. Uh, (laughs) Things that you want to hear instead of things you need to do. And so my job as a, as a coach, as a consultant, has always been to, to, to give people uh, the advice and recommendations that will get them the best outcomes the quickest, not necessarily um, catering to or feeding into or, um, I guess, what's the word that I'm looking for here, um, enabling them to possess bad opinions And then giving them advice that match up with that. I don't think that's a good idea. And so I don't do that. And same thing with in working out and in business. Get the highest yield for the shortest amount of time if you can. All right. If you want to have your questions answered, email them. Brandon at paintersacademy.com. Brandon at paintersacademy.com. If you got business questions that are unrelated to walking with Brandon, you submit those puppies. I'll answer the questions. Uh, and, and if you need to get on the phone, if you require some help, uh, we'll be happy to help you. Do go to paintersacademy.com and download the five keys for growing your business in any economy if you've not done that yet. And finally, hit the subscribe button. We looked at our YouTube analytic numbers uh, the other day, and uh, although people watch a lot of our videos and they watch them for a long time, uh, about 90% of people are not subscribers to our channel that watch the video. So if you would hit the subscribe button, that would be awesome. Appreciate you very much. Brandon Lewis here with the Painters Academy. I'll talk to you in the next installment of Walking with Brandon. See ya.